Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Not a very good week for the Blackhawks, so I will get right into the recap of the three games this week. Uh, it started Saturday night against the Kings, and not much more to say. Basically, the top line for this game is the Blackhawks got dominated. The Kings were all over them, and this is not a very good Kings team, but they were all over them. Um, they jumped out, you know, to a pretty quick lead, but the Blackhawks, you know, they made the most of their chances, I have to say. They didn't have many, but they scored on them. Uh, uh, they, they tied the game in the um, first period. Now I'm trying to remember. I can't remember who scored that goal. Obviously, the second goal was a gift goal that they got. Yeah, the first uh, one was Kubelik. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, it was Kirby Dock, actually, his first time on the power play with a very nice backhanded pass that Kublik buried because at that point it was already two nothing Kings, but uh, Kublik's goal made it two to one. And then the Kings goalie went on an adventure behind his net. And, you know, I, I don't know what he was doing, but he threw the puck right in front of his own net. And David comp was able to tap in an easy goal to make it two, two. And then the Kings basically dominated the, Rest of the game. Um, Corey Crawford played great, I have to say. It started, the first two goals he allowed were so bad that they actually checked him for a concussion. But after those two goals, you know, he'd been hit in the head with a puck, too. But, I mean, they were such bad goals that they actually, the outside uh, doctor called down to the ice and had Corey Crawford temporarily taken off the ice for a concussion evaluation. But... Anyway, after that, when he came back in after Robin Leonard played about five minutes, he was very good. So he kept the Blackhawks in the game. The Kings finally scored into the third period to take a 3-2 lead. And then, he, with an empty net, the Blackhawks were able to tie the score. A very nice play from Patrick Kane to Jonathan Taves. Haven't been able to say that much this year, but a nice pass across the ice. And Taves buried it to tie the score. Uh, then things went to overtime where actually both teams traded some pretty good chances. Um, Alex Nylander had a, had a wide open breakaway in overtime, but it was actually a two on O and he attempted to pass it instead of shooting and it didn't work out. And then the Kings went the other way and the old man drew Dowdy was able to tap in a rebound and the Kings won in overtime four to three. It was actually a lot the score made it look a lot better than it actually was. Um, the next night, on Sunday, the Blackhawks went to Anaheim, and they actually played a pretty good game in uh, this game. Adam Boquist, who, of course, we talked a lot about the last episode, got the Blackhawks on the score sheet early with a goal from the point. His first career NHL goal, so... That was pretty cool to see. Then the Blackhawks got a five-on-three later in the first period, and Alex DeBrinkat was able to uh, put home a goal on the five-on-three to give the Blackhawks a 2 nothing lead. But, of course, it, things aren't going to be that easy for the Blackhawks this year. No lead is ever safe for them. So the Ducks started coming back. Um, 
they got a tipping goal in the second period and then a power play goal in the third period to tie the score. But in overtime, the Blackhawks again got a uh, little bit of production from their big two players as Patrick Kane scored on a nice pass from Jonathan Taves to give the Blackhawks a 3-2 win. Then we come to Tuesday's game in San Jose. And, well, let's just say this game was not good. Uh, the Blackhawks got pretty thoroughly dominated from the jump of this game. I, I believe at one point the shots on goal were 23-3, to if I can remember right, in the second period. And that was a fair reflection of the effort the Blackhawks gave. Um, amazingly, they had kept the score tied at zero through the first period. Robin Leonard played great. So that had been a theme this year. The goalies play good and pretty much nobody else. Um, but finally, the Sharks scored in the second period. As Patrick Marlowe, who still plays, and scored, he scored his third goal, which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all three of his goals this year have been against the Blackhawks. So that's fun. Uh, then uh, this period, the second period in this game, it, I swear to God, it looked like the Blackhawks were in a penalty kill the entire game, entire period. <laughs> they had the the Sharks almost never gave up the puck. The Blackhawks actually got a power play late in the period, and of course, as you'd expect, they gave up a shorthanded goal to Evander Kane to make it two to nothing. And the third period, the Sharks added another goal. And it looked like it was going to be a pretty easy victory, but I don't know what happened. The last five minutes of the game, the Blackhawks kind of woke up. Um, Brandon Saad tipped in a goal, and then with the goalie pull, Duncan Key scored from the point to cut the lead to three to two. But then the uh, Sharks um, got an empty net goal, and that was the end of that game, a 4-2 loss. So... I'm going to kick it to you, Michael. And I mean, basically, uh, the scores did not reflect how badly the Blackhawks played in some of these games. But um, I'll kick it to you and just say it's not feeling that great for the Blackhawks right now. No, this was definitely, you know, a series of games that added to the frustration um, that's been mounting throughout the season. You know, we were coming off that horrendous performance in uh, against Nashville uh, the previous week, and you you, you kind of got the sense that you know that was the type of game that could either you know uh, jumpstart the team, you know, kind of embarrass them a little bit, and you know maybe cause them to rally around and uh, improve their play. Um, you know, or it was the sort of thing that could, you know, kind of bury them and that, you know, it was kind of a sign of things to come. And, you know, the heading out to California for this three game road trip could have been, you know, sort of a, a bonding experience, you know, a, a rally, a rallying point, if you will, uh, for the squad and, you know, to, to, to go out and put together just a uh, you know a pretty putrid performance against the Kings, a team that you had beaten rather 
easily earlier in the season and, you know, are a, a, a team that's probably even in a worse state of rebuild than, than the Blackhawks are. Um, and, you know, they, they did end up coming away with a point out of the game, you know, a game that they, you know, like you said, shouldn't really even have been in, you know, so, okay. So you come away with a point and maybe you can, you know, still kind of build it up and say, Hey, you know, we stole, stole a point, you know, our goaltending, you know, occasionally steals some games and, you know, as long as we can build some momentum, you know, all, all is not lost. Uh, they took on a much better team uh, in the Anaheim in the Anaheim Ducks and played uh, a you know a pretty solid game. They they played the Ducks pretty straight up. I, um, there were you know swings in momentum throughout the game between the two teams. Um, you know spells where the the Hawks got the better of the Ducks, and then you know the Ducks got the better of the Hawks. But, you know, the and the Hawks would come out on top. And, but, you know, it wasn't a game where you would say, oh, they, you know, didn't deserve to win it or anything. They, you know, you could walk away from that saying, ah, you know, a, a, a road performance like that, you know, especially coming, you know, on the back end of a back to back, you know, it was the sort of thing that you can build off of. And, you know, another aspect that you know, was something that you could build off of was that those were the two best games Jonathan Taves had played all season. You know, it, it sort of looked like they were, you know, that, that top line that's been just getting crushed in possession all season. It looked like maybe we're maybe going to start building some chemistry with Jonathan Taves and Alex Nylander being inserted uh, on the line with Taves. Um, they were showing some skill. They were showing a little bit of grit. They were playing both ends of the ice fairly well. But then you follow up that performance with that game last night, which, you know, a, very much like the Kings game, you're playing a bad team, uh, literally the team with the worst record in the Western Conference who were riding a five-game losing streak, and you just go out and you lay a complete egg. Um, it was kind of the, a combo of the worst things that we've seen from this team, you know, throughout the last couple of years. The inability to get the puck out of the defensive zone, um, turnovers, lack of effort, an inability to carry the puck over the blue line and established possession in the offensive zone, you know, they were forced to dump and chase and they didn't skate hard enough to retrieve pucks, nor did they play tough enough to, you know, cause turnovers. And well, it was almost, I was going to say like dump and don't chase. Yeah, it was, it was just, it's ridiculous how poorly that they played, Um, you know, you had mentioned at one point it was twenty-three to three in shots. Uh, the, the the Hawks managed just eight shots through the first two periods, and they honestly didn't deserve any more than that. You know, there there wasn't bad luck involved in this. It was bad play. It was lack of effort. It was mental mistakes. It was f- lack of physical 
aggression. It was it, it was just a combination of things, you know. And it's the sort of thing where if you you know you see that sort of thing, you know, you're gonna have games where you know the effort isn't there. This was the third game in four day in four days, all on the road. You know, the NHL schedule is tough. You know, you occasionally have games where your effort isn't great. You're going to occasionally have issues with execution. You're going to have games where, you know, you're going to fumble the puck. Um, but the fact that all of those things happened at once and all of those things are recurring with greater and greater frequency um, is a real bad sign for this team and dare I say the coaching staff and veteran leadership on this team something isn't meshing something isn't getting through um and the Hawks are in real danger of having this spiral out of control in my opinion I mean this is a team you know we're, we're, we're beyond small sample size at this point we're 14 games into the season and this team has only won two games in regulation and honestly don't have have not played well enough to deserve winning more than two games in regulation. They actually they, have, uh, have more points than they deserve to have, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about how bad the team was last year defensively. They are currently last in the NHL giving up over 35 shots a game this year, which is more than what they gave up last season. Now, I do believe that they've cut down on some of the high danger chances against compared to last year. Um, we're seeing a few less breakdowns in coverage where you're just leaving guys wide open in front of the net. But they're not making any strides in gaining possession of the puck at all. And that's that is a huge concern. We we've talked over and over about how slow this um the top six of the forwards and the uh, defensive core are. And it, it really seems to me that Colleton is trying to implement a system where he wants those defensemen to be aggressive behind the net and create pressure and cause quick turnovers you know, that we can that you can turn around and get the puck out of the zone quickly. But the issue is that the, the Hawks defensemen are not very fast, nor are they very physical. And so they end up chasing plays and the the shifts just keep on going and keep on going. And the centers aren't able to, you know, kind of cover for that. Um, you know, especially with the way Taves has been struggling, he seems to be having more issues picking up this system and or playing within the system uh, than any of the centers outside of Strom, who, you know, was struggling with it so bad that they moved him to wing for a while. Yeah. Um, well, it's just, too, that we were, yeah. I, if people don't know, we talked about this a little bit last year, but um, with, under Quenville, the Blackhawks traditionally had, you know, a zone defense and they would collapse mm-hmm. on the net. And now, Colleton has tried to put in a man-to-man defense. Correct. That was yeah. his, it is not. It's been a year now, and it's still not taking with a lot of 
the players on the Blackhawks, and it might just be a speed thing, like you were saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not one to just blame the system and say that, oh, his system is broken and it can't work at the NHL level. Uh, that's not true. There are teams in the NHL playing a similar style, probably even slow teams that are playing that style and making it work. Um, the Blackhawks are just caught in this very uh, difficult position where they're both slow and small, and they are also just not very physical. I mean, you know, the, the and, and, you know, some of the more aggressive guys that they have are small. You know, guys like Shaw, guys like uh, Kajula. You know, they're not the the team doesn't win very many physical battles and they're not fast enough to pressure and break up as many passes as they need to. And it leaves them in a really difficult position throughout too many games. And we're not seeing Colleton being willing to adjust. I mean, we, the the issues last season were, you know, you were kind of implementing the system on the fly. And I think they accepted the fact that, you know, it wasn't going to happen that, you know, they, they weren't going to be able to implement it fully, you know, within the season without a training camp. And so they kind of were doing like a hybrid last season. And I think they were giving the players a bit more freedom. And so you saw guys like Kane and, you know, the, the offensively gifted players like Kane and Gustafson and Strom and them, uh, they were still being able to create offense, even though they were getting gashed defensively. And so, you know, we ended up with all of these, you know, run and gun games where, you know, sometimes the goaltending was enough to keep them in games, but it was mostly, you know, just the Hawks being able to outscore, you know, the opposition when given the chance. But now we're seeing, you know, the the team is trying to do this system, even though, you know, I I think there's still some hesitation with guys. They're not taking to it quickly. And then you couple that with the fact that their physical skills don't mesh well with it. And it's, it's really turning into a concern for me. I'm, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we're, we're, we're no longer in small sample size. This is, it's to the point where there are no more excuses. Well, you know, you were, you were saying this on Twitter too. I saw your your comments about this, and it was something I was feeling too. It's when we were going into the season, the one thing you felt good about was this team should be better. It's yeah. got better players, Robin Leonard, better goalie, and hopefully Crawford healthy for a full year. But still, you got Leonard's a better goalie, and you've got these, you know, your third and fourth line are solidified. So you're thinking, well, this team should be better. Now, are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know, but they should be as good or slightly better and they're much worse this year and it's yeah. it's really troubling it's like how can they could everyone fall off a clip at once like this yeah, or what's I, going on I, to me 
the you know that the big sign that there's something rotten going on is the number of games the number of periods you know even within games where you know they they play well at times there are just huge stretches of too many games and then some complete games where they are completely non-competitive now if this was a expansion team or a team that was you know going full in on a rebuild and you know just lacked talent or experience you could you know you could chalk up some of those type of games and those type of struggles to that you know there were times last year where i was able to write it off as that as well because you know you saw kane was still performing taves was having a bounce back season you know, some of the, you know, the, the guys that you would expect to perform well at times were at least doing that. And, you know, a lot of the guys that were struggling were the guys that should not have been in the NHL in the, to begin with. Now, the entire roster is filled with guys who should be in the NHL, most of whom have, who have proven themselves. Now, they are currently carrying four rookies, and with four rookies does come some inconsistency. Mm-hmm but not enough where it should be affecting as many veterans as it is. Um, So either the mix of talent is too much to overcome, which could be a pop, uh, you know, legitimate, in which case that mostly falls on Bowman. Although, you know, the coach certainly is going to have some influence on the type of players you know, that the team went out and acquired last year, which was, you know, a bunch of slow defensemen and, you know, players of that ilk. And like I said, uh, to me, it seems like they're really caught in between being slow and and small. And it, it, it doesn't seem like they have any type of identity to grab uh, latch on to right now. And it's, you know, you I wouldn't be overly concerned, or I shouldn't say that. I, I, I wouldn't be pressing the issue of the coaching if this was either a bad group of talent or it was a veteran team where, you know, uh, if the coach is bad, you could ride it out for the rest of the year. And, you know, then you fire the coach and, you know, you, you just hope for you know, the, the players to rebound the next season, the fact that they do have so many rookies and, um, not just rookies that, you know, are just guys that you're calling up to fill holes, but guys that you expect to build this club around guys like doc and Boquist moving forward. You really don't want those guys being exposed to a situation that, is on the brink of collapse. And so if that is coming to that point, the Blackhawks management, and by Blackhawks management, I mean above Stan Bowman, I guess we'd be talking John McDonough at that point, needs to step in and remove Colleton. And if you're going to remove Colleton, you got to remove Bowman and just kind of do a clean sweep and, you know, at that point, you probably would just uh, my guess is you, you wouldn't really 
replace the general manager within the season um, or the coach for that matter, especially when they have a guy like Crawford, um, Mark Crawford, uh, as an assistant coach, you know, a, a, a proven head coach, a guy who's won a uh, Stanley Cup. My guess is you just probably mm-hmm. slap an interim tag on him and, you know, an interim tag on one of the assistant GMs and just mm-hmm. say, we're going to ride this out. We'll trade the guys that are free agents and, you know, at the deadline and, you know, we'll regroup in the off season and you just kind of hope that that, you know, would keep yeah. things from unraveling. Well, because it's when they made this move last year, it was a bold move to make. Yes. I mean, you're, you're firing the coach now. A you legend. Know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, as Quinville's time was running out, probably was things getting stale, you know, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. You're, no, you're I, I supported that move at the time. Yeah. And me too. I still do. Yeah, but you move on from Quimbo, and then you in the middle of the year, not waiting until the end of the year, and you bring in a like you know a thirty three year old guy, thirty four. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think he was thirty three at the time. Thirty three. You bring in a thirty three year old coach, whose only coaching experience was one year in the KHL, and uh, so, Swedish. Swedish. Sorry. Yeah. A new European. One year in the Swedish yeah. elite league. And you bring and him over one year here. in Rock. Yeah, one year in Rockford. And you bring him to the show. And, you know, completely change your system. Then this offseason you say you're gonna make a move for the playoffs and things are going this badly. It's kind of it's not good. And yeah. Like you were saying, the big thing is like it one thing if they were, you know, given the effort, it just wasn't happening. Maybe they were, you know but these games where it seems like they're not even now maybe they're not capable, but it seems like they just completely no show. It's yeah. a huge red flag for a coach. You never I want agree. to see that. Yeah. And the uh, you know, like I said, it's the frequency of these efforts and the cluster of problems where it's not just effort, it's also execution and lack of aggression. You know, it, 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 you can't chalk it up to one player or one line. You know, last year we had problems with the bottom six and the bottom pairing and the goaltender. This year, you know, one day it's one line. The next day it's the entire top six. The next game... Duncan Keith gets killed. The, the the you know the following game, the bottom six doesn't do anything. It it's it's a team wide malaise that's going on right now, and whether it's a lack of motivation or um, a lack of a clear understanding of their roles on the team. You know, it, you, you in some way, like, it comes back to the yeah, the, the coach is say, failing to get his team ready to play. Yeah, I was going to say, it comes back to something as simple as just watch the power play this year. And you, you see these, yeah, you see these, like, they do this thing, you know, where they push forward and then throw it back to, you know, Kane or Dubrinkit. Mm-hmm. I think yep. it's push them back entry or whatever it's called. Correct. And they just lope and, like, the speed there, they throw it back and just casually skate up. Yeah, and crashes the line and breaks it up immediately. Yeah, and if you and again, it's not that 
the strategy is flawed. It's the execution. You watch plenty of other teams execute the push and back entry correctly. You know, the, the, the issues the Hawks have with it is there's a lot of separation between the first wave and the second wave. You know, these, you know, a lot of times it's a, um, you know, a defenseman like Gustafson or whoever's running the power play carries the puck beyond uh, into the neutral zone and then drops it back for Kane, who's coming with speed behind. The problem is, is it takes too long for Kane to both get the puck. And by the time he reaches the blue line, that first wave has lost all of their momentum. They're having to stop at the blue line to wait for Kane to get there. And if Kane is able to make a move at the blue line and gain entry, they're okay. But the the times when he is forced to dump the puck in, you can't dump a puck in if your other guys, the guys that are going to be responsible for chasing the puck on a dump and chase, if they're standing flat-footed at the blue line, there is absolutely no chance that they are going to go back and beat the defenseman on a retrieval. Those yeah, defensemen are going to get the puck with time to just throw the puck down the ice. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, to that play to work, you have to have guys with a lot of speed. And does Kane have that speed anymore? And he probably doesn't. You know what I mean? Um, and it's... Or would you say, but I mean, it's one of those things too, where it doesn't work. Maybe you should try a different formula and they seem yeah. to do the same thing over and over again. And it's like, it's not working. Can we try something different? Yeah. It, 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 you know, and then the, you know, the one thing that they seem to have improved this year was yes, their greatest flaw last season, which was the penalty kill, you know, a historically bad penalty kill. And they did get off to a poor start with that this season um however you know i think we discussed this at the time i felt like there was a little bit of bad luck uh involved in their poor start with that um and since that point uh, you know i think over the last two weeks i think they've only given up one power play goal against um you know they've they've really tightened that up um and you know which would make sense given that, you know, they put such a priority on getting Dehan and Mata and Carpenter and these guys that, you know, when they brought them in, they said, you know, a big reason was these are guys that are experienced penalty killers that are going to help us. They've done that. But just the complete disintegration of play at five on five is so disheart- disheartening. And then, you know, the, the, the power play has been a complete momentum killer. Um, it, it's it, it. I think it actually goes beyond killing momentum. It rejuvenates the opposition. I mean, I, I almost think we've given up as many shorthanded goals as we've scored power play goals this year. I think and, I think they have. I thought and, I saw that stat somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, not only do you have that problem, but on top of that. I'm pretty sure we've had more power plays where they do not generate a shot on goal mm-hmm. than they have I was, I, power I plays actually, where they've converted. I actually tweeted this out last night, like when they they got the in the power play in the second period. I went, "Will the Blackhawks get a shot on this power play?" And they did, but it was uh, 30 seconds after they gave up a shorthanded goal. So, yeah, yeah it's I mean, just like 
Yeah, it's it's very it's one thing if you're giving, you know, if these are close get you know, back and forth, like they're in every game and maybe they're catching some bad breaks, but no. These are games where they're non competitive. Their goalies are actually standing yeah, if, on if, their heads. If 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 it wasn't for Robin Leonard, uh this team would almost certainly have the worst record in the league. And I think their goal differential would be like yeah. mine is like 30 or something at this point. Yeah. I mean, you look at what, you know, the numbers Corey Crawford has put up where his save percentage is below 90. He's giving up like, I think it's like 3.6 goals a game or something along those lines. And there have been a couple of games where Crawford hasn't played well, but there's also been a couple of games where he has played pretty well. I mean, it's been a borderline okay season from him, but yet his numbers are still bad. I mean, and really bad. Um, and I think that goes to show just how good Leonard's actually been that uh, he's putting up numbers that are among the top five in the league in just about every category. And if they had any kind of, team around him the Blackhawks would be in pretty good shape but yeah yeah it's it's just it's really frustrating you we're not seeing any progress other than the penalty kill every other facet of this team has gotten worse despite an improvement in talent level and it it almost yeah I was gonna say it almost makes the question would the Blackhawks have made the playoffs last year if Robin Leonard was their goalie if you replace Ward with Leonard, um, yeah, I, it would have at least been on closer than it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it, it's just, it's, it's really concerning with the amount of things that have fallen off where it's, it's really difficult to not chalk it up to either a broken system or, a group of players who haven't bought into the system. Either way, that's going to reflect back on the coach. Well, I don't and, want to. De- I don't want to depress you now, but I will ask you a question. That since I don't have as much skin in the game on this as you do, but all right, if you you got to fire a coach right now, Colleton or Matt Nagy, who do you fire first? Um. I would probably fire Colleton first um, simply because I see the potential for things to spiral out of control more just because there's more of the season remaining. I mean, we're than halfway through the football season. It would be very difficult for things to grow so bad that, you know, the situation would become poison for the bears. Um, now, if the thing, if things don't show improvement for the Bears in the second half, I would have absolutely no problem with firing Ryan Pace at the end of the season, or Ryan Pace, uh, Matt Nagy, um, at the end of the season. Before you get there, yeah, well, I I think in both situations the GM and the coaches are are tied together. Um, you know, both GMs are on. You know, have bet a lot on these coaches. Um, they've tried to. Um, bring in talent that matches what the coach wants and 
we're not only not seeing progress, we're seeing regression. And so, you know, it is a fairly similar situation, but, um, you know, like I said, I, there's just so much remaining of the hockey season and there's so many important rookies, you know, that are just getting started here where, you know, you, you just worry, you know, that the situation would, would, would really spiral. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and, and I'm not saying that I want Colleton fired right now. Um, I do think we have, you know, a group of games coming up here, you know, that kind of gets us to, I don't know, around Thanksgiving or, you know, maybe the end of the month. Um, you're going to get a few um, division games coming up. Um and also, they're going to be matched up a lot against a lot of tough opponents where I think you're going to get a, you know, a real gauge of this team against the best and where they stack up and whether or not the players are going to be able to, you know, get themselves up off the mat here. Um, well, what you want to see is you want to see a little bit better effort at least yeah like, yeah i mean it, it, i like i said things are we've hit the low point here if it gets any it, it, if it gets any lower than what we just saw against san jose you have to make a move if we yeah. see improvement in at least one area especially with the effort level I, you just you you can't you can't continue to have the team just not show up um but if if you do see some strides here throughout the rest of the month, I think you're probably pretty safe in, you know, extending that deadline from the end of the month, you know, more likely to the end of the season where, you know, you just you just kind of hope things improve, but you wouldn't expect things to just completely collapse. Um, but, you know, I, you know, I look at the final two weeks of this um, month, they play Buffalo, they play Carolina, they play Tampa Bay all at home. Then the following week, they have a home and home and away against Colorado. Mm. You know, those are some fast, talented teams that are expected, you know, to compete for the Stanley Cup. And if you come out and you with this effort, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You come out against any one of those teams with the effort that they showed against San Jose, that it would be completely unacceptable, mm-hmm. and you you would be forced to make a move at that point. Well, you know, on that happy note, I guess it's good transition into the preview for the uh, coming week's games. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're we're not at quite at uh, you know that level of competition. Um, but it's going to be a, a step up from what last week's was. I mean, the, the, the Kings, the Ducks and the Sharks, um, you had two really struggling teams with the Kings and the Sharks and one solid team with Anaheim. Uh, this week is going to kind of be three solid teams. You got Vancouver at home tomorrow night, which will be Thursday night. So it's, I, I guess when this gets published, it'll probably be same day. Um, and then, you know, you got a day off Friday, 
and they, they, they come back with another one of these weekend um, back-to-backs, which are really tough. This is going to be, you know, another one of these three games in four nights. And, you know, you're playing Pittsburgh on the road Saturday night, 6 o'clock. Then you come back 24 hours later in the United Center, and you got to take on the Maple Leafs. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, there there's some element of underachievement with both of those teams mm-hmm. at the moment, but you're still talking about loaded, well, teams loaded with, you know, recognizable names and talent, and they can make you pay. You know, they're, they're maybe not at the, you know, the, the, the peak of their capabilities right now. Mm-hmm. But and they're, they're also two teams that you would say they might not be the best defensive teams, but they can score. Right. And if the Hawks, you know, put out the effort level that we've been seeing of late against teams that talented, you're going to you're going to see some ugly scores. So they've really got to rally the troops here in very short order. And yeah, I, you know, it's pretty obvious, I would say, from the way I've been talking that uh, my concern level has greatly increased and it's probably going to stay increased for at least a few weeks. (laughs) And at any point I might reach may reach the uh, the breaking point where it's just like enough is enough something has to be done yeah this this is where we both were kind of the frustration level is rising we're not the boiling point quite yet but yeah it's getting close and yep. i mean I, I guess on that happy note um this will be it for this episode uh, i'm on twitter at sth85 michael mj underscore ernst Right, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcast Store, and until that next podcast, uh, go Hawks.